Hello and welcome to Working Class Outcasts. I'm your host, Eddie. And this week, some of you may notice that there's a new episode of a podcast you'd followed in 2020. We took a long hiatus, but I'd like to think that we're back in the swing of things. While I adapt to hosting by myself, please bear with me. Unfortunately, our reporter, Mac Upinia, was found dead in an Arkansas jail after the defeat of former President Donald Trump in 2020. Mac was a beloved member of the team here, and we will all miss him dearly. Sadly, he never uncovered the proof to validate his life's work. That Alex Jones was actually Bill Hicks doing a bit. Now, please enjoy The Sounds of Iron Fez. to take the time to start every episode with a little bit of good news. And it's with that that I bring you the Dow Jones fell 750 points today after CPI inflation numbers hit a 40-year high. Uh, the reported rate for the month of May was 8.6% year over year. That beats out the previous high from April of this year at 8.3%. The Dow dropped a total of 755 points in response. Now, the consumer price index is uh, at the highest percentage now since 1981. Uh, an economist named Peter Earle, who claims to be nonpartisan, says it's very troubling. Well, of course it is. Why is the line going down when it has only ever been designed to go up? Uh, in the article, they do mention the word recession, so if that's on your 2022 bingo card, you can go ahead and scratch it off. Uh, the good news is, if they're talking about a recession in earnest, maybe that means that the housing market will crash and we can all finally afford to buy those homes that we quit eating avocado toast to afford. The Federal Reserve is raising rates at a rate higher than any other time outside of the 1970s to help combat inflation. Uh, however, that will cause a contraction in the economy, and people will be laid off. So I guess recessions are good now, actually. Long live the recession. The main story we wanted to talk about tonight with you, however, revolves around gun violence in the country. Now... I'm sure that all of you have heard about all of the mass shootings that have taken place this year. Uh, the school shooting in Texas. The deadliest school shooting since Sandy Hook. <clears throat> and that's actually at the start of the story. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and put a content warning here. This is 
pretty graphic stuff. Uh, if that's not something you're into, maybe skip this episode. But it's something I feel like we need to talk about, especially coming back right now in the wake of all of this, when it doesn't seem like these shootings are ever going to really slow down again. I was born in 92, so by the time Columbine happened, I think I was five, so I would have been four, so I would have been like kindergarten, first grade. And that was, like, the first big mass shooting. Like, I don't remember much about it because I was really young, but now that I am almost 30, <clears throat> I can look it up on Wikipedia. It was the it was huge. It was covered for weeks. We talked about the shooting in Texas this year for three days in mainstream media before we were done with it and moved on. Our country has internalized this narrative that these things will just happen. There's nothing an average American citizen can do to prevent gun violence. It is inherent in our system. As a matter of fact, the only solution that ever gets pitched with any sort of earnest is the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Which especially in the wake of this Texas shooting, is absurd. The police waited 80-some-odd minutes before an off-duty Border Patrol agent went in with a shotgun and took care of the shooter. Why are we giving police so much money, so much equipment, so much training, if they won't save children? In 2012, during Sandy Hook, uh, I had kind of figured in the aftermath of that, that that was the watershed moment for the U.S. That, uh, you know, if we weren't going to do something about gun control then, we never were. And I urge whoever listens to this to uh, discard that idea. Because clearly, our legislators and leaders have no interest on their own to uh, to stop this. So we clearly need to do something as a people. 60-something percent of Americans support gun reform. Why is it not legislated at all? I mean, honestly, you would think that Mitch McConnell was still the Senate Majority Leader, you know? And it's all because of uh, Mansion and Cinema defecting on any of these very important votes, like removing the filibuster. But let me get to the first thread I want to pull at in this episode tonight. Uh, so yesterday, and I will probably pronounce this wrong, Iana Trevino, uh, who was 11 years old and was a fourth grader at Uvalde, uh, Rob Elementary School, was going with her mother to leave a teddy bear for her best friend, Amiri Joe Garza, at a memorial honoring their life. Iana complained of an increased heart rate to her mother, who was concerned and took her to the emergency room. Iana, once again, an 11-year-old fourth grader, had nearly gone into cardiac, cardiac arrest, according to the doctors. 
11 years old and almost had a heart attack. Uh, her mother said, and I'm quoting her here, at least the, the quote in the article I'd read, uh, her heart rate skyrocketed because she couldn't take the trauma. She was 11, she is 11 years old. And she is having to deal with her best friend being shot to death in their school, where she has to go back to every day, sit in that classroom. And deal with that trauma. Now, Yana Trevino has no other known medical conditions. This is so fucking depressing. That this shit is normal. You know... Her family has a GoFundMe page that you can find in the show notes. If you're able, please donate to them to help cover her medical expenses. Uh, the last thing that this family needs while they're healing from this tragedy is medical debt forced upon them by a government that refuses to enact healthcare as a human right. Um, the crazy thing the most insane thing to me about guns in this country is sometimes it's not even the gun that perpetrates, that the person uses to perpetrate violence. Because I'm not going to say the gun causes a crime. Uh, those of you that might not know, I was raised in the Deep South. Uh, I'm from a hunting community. I've hunted myself. I've owned several firearms. But, uh... That doesn't mean that I'm against gun control, gun reform, whatever we end up trying to call it to make it more palatable to uh, the Republican side of the argument. But the crazy thing about the gun problem in this country is that sometimes a gun isn't even used to perpetrate violence. Instead, it's the perception of one. Take, for example, in L.A. today. Nine people were injured when a driver ran over them, believing one of them to be pointing a gun at him. Luckily for the pedestrians, no one was killed. Only one serious injury was reported. Uh, it's just, there's not even a gun. Uh, police are investigating, in air quotes, the claim of the driver that there was a gun involved. And But even then, the, his first instinct was not to speed away from the gun, but rather go towards it. Shows how America fetishizes violence overall. To, if for whatever reason, you know, I personally feel like it's an extension of the military-industrial complex and the need to continue to bring young bodies into the meat grinder to maintain the world hegemony based around the U.S. Like, we just have to know and understand violence intimately as young men and women. <clears throat> because if we're from a poor background, it is to be expected of us. You know, uh, when I was a kid, my grandfather served in World War II in Korea as a Marine. And uh, my grandmother was very insistent 
that I would go become a Marine. You know, you get the free college. You, If you become an officer, it gives you a leg up. After my family lost everything in 2008 uh, in the housing market bubble, and my grandma passed, I saw the military as a real option to get a good start for myself. Now, luckily, I was disqualified from service for medical reasons, but uh, I was very close to becoming a very different person than I am today. Somebody that is much more equated with the idea of taking a, uh, a human life. Now I will say I know many veterans who have served active and in other capacities. And uh, for every one of them that says, oh yeah, rah, rah, kill. There are probably five to ten that uh, have had the wool pulled out from over their eyes. And they kind of see the truth. Uh, out of those... Another half probably go further and read literature to better understand why the government had them do these things. Um, but anyway, uh, to add to today's gun violence news, uh, earlier today in Maryland, Joe Louis Esquivel went into Columbia machine shops and killed three workers, uh, allegedly. He was working a shift, went to his car on his break, grabbed his handgun, went to the break room, shot at his co-workers. Uh, he's currently in custody. He wasn't harmed. He did wound a cop, but I didn't think that would really be worth mentioning. Uh, he currently awaits trial on 25 charges, including first and second degree murder. Now, this leads me to the last kind of moment here. All across America this weekend, people are taking the streets in a march to end mass shootings. And honestly, it's been going on all week. Uh, even here, in both of the large cities near me, uh, there have been protests to end gun violence, or curb gun violence, or stop it. But, uh, people have tired. We're just tired of being afraid. Every time you go into the grocery store, church, the mall, work. Honestly, I could spend the next hour listing places this happens because it's everywhere. Um, even cops will come into your house and shoot you when you're sleeping. They've been doing it since the 60s with Fred Hampton, the Black Panthers. Look. There are plenty of common-sense solutions to gun control <clears throat> that could easily be addressed today. Like, I mean literally today. Well, it's 9.38 p.m. on the East Coast, so the president is probably tucked in bed after he uh, got rid of his nighttime stories. But even with the Democratic majority in both houses of Congress, we don't see meaningful change. Now, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but that is kind of by design. They don't want you to solve these problems. Republicans are a lot better at midterm elections, and Democrats just do not have the want or will to spend political capital on gun control. They haven't been able to do it for literally a decade now. They haven't been able to move the needle at all. Republicans are much better at midterm elections, and this year, of course, is a midterm election. 
And people all over Twitter are going to tell you to vote blue no matter who. But what does it fucking matter? If blue team won't fix a single goddamn issue, because two or three of them need to be on red team. And God forbid, some pr- someone, anyone, primary these people, these two or three defectors that seem to be the most common denominators in stopping any sort of meaningful change. If the Democratic Party was actually committed to solving any problem, there would be a primary challenger for Joe Manchin endorsed and fully supported by the party now. I believe he's up for re-election, but even if he's not, 2024 he would be. So, it's either this year and they failed, or it's in two years and we have no serious contender on the field yet. Or no will or want, again, to primary him. Because Manchin and Cinema are both very easy scapegoats for the Democrats, right? Look at ending the filibuster. Who was it? Manchin. Anytime it's gun control with the majority, it's Manchin, or someone along those lines. Some kind of guy that really shouldn't be a Democrat, but is for one reason. For whatever reason, really. <clears throat> Manchin votes more in line with Republican senators than Democrats themselves on any sort of progressive issue. He is not an ally to the party. If there was any need for change then he would be primaried by somebody else with the party's full backing and support. Until leadership changes within the party, you're not going to have any meaningful change. Your children won't get to feel safe. Hell, you won't get to feel safe. And that might feel extreme unless you're Iana Trevino, 11 years old, a fourth grader at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, who almost had a fucking heart attack just trying to pay memorial to her best friend. Unless you're one of the congregants of any of the churches that have been shot up in the last month. If you knew somebody who lived in Buffalo that died in the grocery store shooting. So much... You movie theaters, baseball fields, it doesn't fucking matter where you go. Odds are, somebody might try to kill you. And if you want to change this issue, because, you know, we feel like no single person can. But if you want to try to change this issue... I think the only path forward is to try to convince some of the Republicans that you know, your neighbors, your family, your friends, co-workers, fuck, even the mailman, on some common sense gun reform. Here are some tips. One, let's not bring up a blanket ban on all firearms. I promise you, I've lived in the South for 30 years. You will not change someone's mind about this being a bad idea if they are already against it. Two, instead, focus on a few meaningful first steps in the conversation. For example, a big one that I always use is digitizing the National Firearms Registry and mandating firearms be registered within that registry under the purview of the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau, the ATF. 
Or you could pitch another idea. A mandatory 24-hour class on firearm safety broken up into six-hour sessions. Four-week class that you have to pass and get certified before you get a gun. Fuck a three-day waiting period. Four weeks. You learn how to shoot. You learn hunting safety. Sport shooting safety. Home gun safety. Anything you need them to learn. They learn in this 24-hour, four-session, six-hours-a-week class. And you have to renew that certification, similar to a driver's license, or, up until constitutional concealed carry became a thing, a concealed carry permit. Another idea would be maybe mandatory mental health screening by a health professional. I mean, time and time again, Republicans have issued this idea. It's a lone wolf who is troubled. Well, why not, before they buy a gun, they have to sit down with a professional. Even if it's only one session, that would deter some people. When combined with these other things, it could solve a lot of problems. But you can't... if. If five Republican senators were pressured enough by their constituents, who knows what that could change? You know, if you have enough people in your community that you reach out to and talk to, person to person, about these things, you will find more common ground than you ever will. And I'm not talking about social media. You have to go out there and meet people. Now, grant you, the pandemic makes this a little harder because that's another wedge issue for whatever fucking reason. But we're beyond that at this point, right? Now we've broken it down to we need to reach people where they are. But that doesn't mean that the Democrats' strategy of just standing with them is the answer. If anything, it is just as big a contributor to the gun violence problem in this country as the wildly lenient access to firearms our citizens have. But if you want to reach these Republicans that are friends, family, whatever to you, people that you know, you have to meet them where they are and help them along. For example, I am a staunch Marxist and a Leninist uh, with some strong opinions about Mao's ideas about landlords. But when I was in high school, I was one. Of, I was damn near one of those cringy libertarians. My stepdad was a libertarian because all stepdads, I assume, were libertarians. But uh, you know, I was really close to being one of those Jordan Peterson types that you would meet today. Uh, but instead, uh, I kind of drifted away from that ideology because I met people who had ideas that are very similar to my own now, and they encouraged me to look at these problems in a different light. And I was radicalized the other way. You know, it works. I'm not saying you should radicalize anybody, but if it works with changing somebody from a cringe edgelord libertarian all the way over to a little bitty communist who's read some Marx and some Lenin and the conquest of bread because an anarchist told me to, then... Maybe we could just sit down and meet Republicans where they are and reframe the issue for them. I think it would be a huge help. 
because we're not getting anywhere where we are now. But that doesn't just apply to Republicans. You need to have these conversations with your Democrat friends, too. Hell yeah, the vote blue no matter who crowd. We we gotta work on them. Could you imagine if there were enough Democrats in the district of West Virginia that Manchin represents to bully him into not getting reelected because they were like, well, you know what? If you don't commit to meaningful gun reform and we see it by the next and we don't see it in the next by the next election, we just won't vote. It turns out not voting is a strategy. The people that are in power need you to vote. Now, does that mean that we might lose that seat to a Republican? Yeah, but what's the fucking difference? When's the last thing a Democrat did that mattered? The last round of stimulus funding? The lethal aid to Ukraine? I just... I don't understand it. I don't. This needs to be solved. And I don't know how we do it. All I know is that it has to be done. Now, the second prong of the issue I had mentioned earlier. Police. Police, 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 police. Police. ACAB. 1312. We all know it. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. In Kent, Washington, uh, the city's going to have to pay more than $1.5 million to a former assistant police chief who was disciplined for posting a Nazi rank insignia on his office door and joking about the Holocaust. You might remember this. This was in the news a couple of years ago. Uh, Derek Kamerzell. He'd been there for like 30 years. He had two weeks of unpaid leave after the accident. And then uh, the residents, Jewish residents, demanded his resignation the city gave. Uh, however, when they went to discipline him, this led to a dispute between his union lawyers and the police chief in the city. Uh, so it looks like they're going to pay him $1.52 million to resign. However, I guess the upside is the city, if they had fired him, he would have been able to win his back, back his job through arbitration due to federal and state labor laws, even though police shouldn't have fucking unions. Uh, but the internal affairs investigation definitely tells that he knew what the insignia was. Uh, they have an Obergruppenführer, a high official in the SS. $1.52 million that could have been used for literally anything else, and they're having to pay this rat fuck cop. Uh, in other police news, today, a uh, Chicago police officer was had resigned after he was captured on video repeatedly grabbing a black woman walking her dog in a confrontation, which her lawyers called racial profiling. Uh, the matter is still under investigation, but he has quit. The uh, Civilian Office of Police Accountability reviewed the footage and said that he forcibly grabbed her, which, looking at the video right now, yeah. My man, I think, actually kind of grabs her ass at one point. God damn. 
she asked him to please respect her space, and he said, respect your space, I'm about to put handcuffs on you. Like, these stories aren't new. She luckily wasn't murdered like so many other black women and men. But it's just fucking ridiculous that we're still dealing with this. The cops are still receiving the most money in the country to be fascist assholes to minorities <laughs> and not save kids. It's amazing, isn't it? Because they still get to put protect and serve on their little cars when they drive around with the lights. Fuck! Although, in other news, uh, speaking of prosecution of police, a cop was uh, sentenced to go to prison for between 16 months and four years for firing his gun into the Atlantic Ocean because it was an illegal semi-autic handgun and he was drunk. Those are the kind of people that we're giving these jobs to. Like, it's not, they're not sending their best, as former President Trump might say. They're sending that guy. Jesus fucking Christ. The only good thing to have come out of gun violence in this country is the fact that InfoWars bankruptcy can't go through because of a deal with San Diego's parents. So Alex Jones is still going to be financially liable for all of the bullshit he said about it being a false flag. Thank fuck. I, I, I'm only doing 30 minutes this week. So I guess to close out the episode on a lighter note, I don't know if you guys have heard about this or not, but a judge in Texas blocked investigating a family of a trans youth for child abuse. Um, because they're suing the state. Now, that sounds like a rah-rah headline, but that's due to conflict of interest. The good news is that the parents will instead be able to give the, the child a loving, affirming home for as long as possible. Fuck Greg Abbott. Fuck the state of Texas. This shit is ridiculous, man. Republicans are all about the Constitution until they actually have to read it. And I guess that's the final thought I'm going to leave you guys with tonight. You can find us on Spotify and Anchor. Uh, our music is done generously by Iron Fez. You can check out their link in the show notes as well as the GoFundMe. For Yana Trevino's family to cover her medical bills. I, uh. I guess I'm glad to be back, but. <sighs> the news isn't getting any better. And it kind of sucks. I love all of you that have made it to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Working class outcasts out. I live in Rossville and I burn my fucking trash. I